0: welcome to the 172nd episode of the so video games podcast where we talk about any game at all including new stuff old stuff and anything in between if we are playing it we will be talking about it today we are recording on march 29th 2020 and i have lost track of what microsode this is it's one of the random microsodes i am brad galloway i'm the editor of gamecritics.com uh and i'm here today today's kind of a crazy show flying by the seat of our pants with me as always Carlos Rodello, the man who loves woolen socks. How you doing, Carlos?
1: Uh, woolen socks are itchy, aren't they? Not if you get the nice ones. Oh, okay. I should uh, go shock hu- shock hunting. I should go <laughs> shock hunting and sock hunting. Ugh, this is a off to a great start.
0: Getting off to our usual Soviet game start. Uh, shock to the episode. socks.
1: That's a that's a, a a Shark Tank idea. There you go. You got batteries in the back of the
0: sock, and like when you walk, it shocks your feet. I don't know why you'd want that, but I'm sure someone would buy it. You know, improve the
1: circulation.
0: Might be good S&M purposes. Who knows? Or improve the circulation. Okay. Or improve the circulation. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, we are back uh, with another one of our patented microsodes. Um, We have a couple games to talk about each. We are going to be answering a listener question, which we've had on the back burner for quite a while. Apologies for that. Uh, But before we do that, Carlos, you've got a little uh, housekeeping to do, little odds and ends, right?
1: I do. But before we even get to the housekeeping. Oh, shit. Even before that. I know. Wait, we're not a microsode. This is a real full episode. Oh, is it? That was a microsode. I thought we were just going to go fast. Well, we are, but I'm confused now because we have like three or four games, right? I figured we would just talk about them briefly, but we can do what uh, any okay. kind of. We can do I any sode you is want. A real episode. I any sode is fine.
0: We will just do a mid sode. This is a mid sode. Quasi sode. Yeah. Could be a, yep. a partial
1: sode. Any of those sodes. I think it's a mid sode. Uh, my <laughs> housekeeping is secret of mana. Remember how I was saying I want to go back and play that? Yes. Trials of Mana is coming out very soon, and I really Absolutely. do like that. Talked um, about that like two episodes ago. We sure did. And guess what? Uh, yeah, nah, dog. Never mm. mind. Can't go home again, huh? You can't go home again. That game is not good. Like, the remake, <laughs> the remake helps. It really tries. It really tries. But the way that they remade it, the, the playability in general is just so painful. Like, I heard you in my head going, Carlos, if you don't enjoy it, don't play it. So I'm glad like, I'm in
0: there telling you that because, yeah, you know, we're not infinite creatures, man. you got to maximize your lifespan.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially right now. There's, yeah. Absolutely. So um, I was like, forget that game. <laughs> <laughs> and when uh, again, like I mentioned in our um, last episode, that I went back to a live um, Alliance Alive HD remaster. Oh right, and yes, that's on the what Switch, correct? Yes, yeah. no, not on the Switch, on the PS Four. PS Four, okay. Yeah. Um, and man, oh man, that is fun, and I'm just flying through it. Interesting, fun uh, tidbit there. When you like are just leveled up and you don't need to like really deal with watching all the animations of a battle, they have a fast forward button does any other rpg have that oh lots of them do now modern modern
0: rpgs yeah it's pretty common but i got you know i I take issue with that because i feel like if you have to fast forward through that then why are you doing it in the first place that is a waste of time that is bad design things should be interesting like i don't watch a tv show and fast forward through half of it i don't put on an album and fast forward through half of it i mean i might skip like one song but i don't listen to like half the song. I listen to the whole song, you know? Like why why would you want to fast forward through that stuff? It's just bad design filler. No,
1: it makes Luck. sense. If it, it, this is an old school RPG and I feel like I need it cuz I want to get through the story, so I'm just happy that it's there, but you're right. Like, yeah, I'd like the battles being really interesting. That's why I like well, a lot well, of well, action RPGs.
0: Well, let me say this. Let me say this. If you're playing a retro game, like let's say for example, you're playing like a really old RPG and you want to play it and it's classic from 20 years ago, you can put a fast forward in because you're not going to send that whole game to be totally retooled from the ground up. right? So I guess if you mm-hmm. want to like play a classic and you want to skip through the grinding, okay, that makes sense. But if yep. it's like a brand new game these days, like you're developing it from scratch
1: here in 2020, don't put in a fast forward. That means you're developing your game with a bunch of bullshit in it. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, right. Another real quick RPG news. I tried to pick up um, Tales of Berseria again because I remember trying that and really wanting to get into that world because there's that game and then Tales of Vesperia which I think is a oh, sequel. Man.
0: I can't keep those straight. There's a ton of those games.
1: Yeah. So anyways, I went back to that. There's no... Your main character just, like, punches. And then the <laughs> way the way that they do the combat, like, you got to, like, pick patterns. And I was like, nah, dog. Also, nah, dog. Because I'm out. <laughs>
0: That's the name of this episode is Nah, dog. Nah, dog.
1: Uh, so both those are at my own. And uh, I, the only one out of all those three I stuck with is um, Alliance Alive. So thanks to... Trashylvania. Yeah. Good man, right Transylvania. Also, my other housekeeping was Animal Crossing, which I'm playing, which I think the whole world is playing right now during these coronavirus times. Um, I-, I forgot that you've got to play that game a lot to want to play it more. By what I mean is, the more you do in that game, especially now because they have like a little ATM machine and tons of like extra stuff, the more you do, the more they reward you with new stuff. And now I'm, like, really into it. Because in the beginning, I was just remembering Animal Crossing as plant some plants, you know, get some flowers, get your house, and that's it. Collect a couple seashells. Yeah. But there's a lot more to this game. It's just you've got to play it a lot. So I quite like it. And I would suggest if anybody's just started it and has already played Animal Crossing in the past, just play it more often and some new stuff starts to show up oh
0: my god you know i wish i was immortal dude i wish i was immortal not for any like real deep philosophical reason but because there's a lot of games like this that i really really want to play but i'm just not going to live long enough dude like i want (laughs) to play animal crossing i want to go back to graveyard keeper i want to play um my time my time at porsche i want to go back and play stardew valley and by the time that i finish even one of those there's going to be like two more or three more that i'm going to want to get into and these are all like really time intensive games like you got to really focus on them and you, I mean, I don't know about other people. I can't juggle multiple of those at the same time because I start getting confused. You forget what you're doing. There's a lot of tasks and everything. So I I, I wish I was going to live forever, man, because I would just line these up and just knock them out one by one because I really want to get into them. But I just, I'm a human being and our time on Earth is, you know, finite and that you can only play so many. It's, it's bumming me out,
1: dude. What about if that thing they talk about is true, though? And what we thing? Ha- And we have like multiple lives and we get reincarnated, then you'll come back and be able to play these games but they'll just be old school games I mean maybe but I don't know
0: we'll see I kind of want to do it all in one run just for you know keep it clean keep it right 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 yeah because you might
1: be like you know a different person and totally different yeah Yeah, Uh, yeah. okay The last thing I was going to ask in housekeeping is I like the idea of our podcast being animated and I am very bad at that (laughs) animation Uh, yeah I'm just not good I can draw but I can't animate um so I was wondering if I'd ask the community, if anybody out there is animators, uh, does like cartoons, and would want to help us uh, create some scenes from the podcast, uh, or maybe like a whole episode, who knows, or microsode. Oh my um, God, that would be like a lot. If you were, I
0: mean, I don't know how easy it is to do with computer tools these days, but... Yeah, I mean that might be kind of neat. Are you thinking? Are you thinking like maybe like a little animated clips so we could put on Twitter, and then like you said, maybe even a whole episode that would be kind of. Uh...
1: Yeah, because I've seen it before, and I've always like loved watching a podcast that way. I think Harmontown did it once or something. A ton of podcasts have done it, um, and yeah, it doesn't have to be a full an hour and a half podcast. But I think just a few clips would might be fun. So, call out to the community if you want to do that for us, um, and also like. I'm going to create a small little budget. Maybe. I don't know. We'll work on that, but, uh, hit us up at, so video games on Twitter or me or Brad on Twitter. And, uh, let's see if we can get that going. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Or you can
0: email us as well. If you want uh, you so video Games podcast at gmail.com, hit us up on the email too.
1: All right. My housekeeping over.
0: Housekeeping is over. The house is now kept. Uh, are we good to move on to actual games? Let's do games. Let's do games. Let's start with you, sir. Um, we are running a little bit ragged. It was actually my fault. I meant to get, uh, All my ducks in a row, but uh, I've been very busy. You know, it's weird. Just a slight tangent here. Um, We are still isolating at home. Uh, I assume you are. I think most of the country or at least a large part of the country is isolating at home right now. And it seems like you would have infinite time to get all your shit done. And I feel like I am busier now than I was before we started isolating at home. And I haven't left my house in like a week. Wow. i get up and i do stuff and my wife is working from home so i'm helping my wife do stuff she's doing a lot of community outreach i've got my son at home we do some homeschooling stuff and it's like you do all that stuff you take a bite of a sandwich you go to the bathroom twice and then like your day is over and i like time completely got away from me right before this podcast i was like screaming through the house trying to get my pants on going like ah, i'm, I'm late for the podcast i gotta get down there oh by the way thanks for
1: putting your pants on for the podcast i know so i know right that's yeah, a pretty that's big, big like, deal nowadays I can't,
0: I can't. I can't podcast when I'm uh, when I'm free balling, dude. It's just too yeah. distracting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I meant to get my notes in a row. Did not get the notes in a row. So this is going to be kind of a weird episode. I apologize, folks. But Carlos, start us off. What is the first game that you want to bring to the table
1: today? This is the main game I'm going to talk about. Uh, the other one's just a quick demo. This is a game that I've been putting off for a long time. I kept seeing it. I was thinking about playing it, and just coming off Doom, which if you listen to our last episode. Uh, you'll hear my thoughts on that, some of my frustrations. I wanted a first-person shooter. I want it more of what I experienced in Rage 2, which was not just first-person shooting, but also melee that was done, I think, very well. Um, and I wanted that experience. So I went back to a game that I've been trying, meaning to try for a long time called Shadow Warrior 2. Have you heard Shadow, of this? I
0: have heard of it. I, I did not play it because I don't usually dip into the first-person uh arena very often but this is like a first person you're kind of like a samurai or ninja you have uh like a sword and i'm probably a couple guns and you know kind of basic first person action is what i recall i know that some of our writers at the site were pretty big fans of it um i think stephen brown who writes for us really liked it a lot and that's probably where i remember it from but i don't know anything more than that is it more than guns and swords and uh an asian theme
1: yeah i mean it's a lot of that but it's also um just really addictive fun and uh, the first one was made by 3D Realms, and it's, so it's an old-school game, uh, Shadow Warrior. And that was over the top. You played as this uh, main character, Lu Wang, the emphasis on Wang, because there's a lot of dick jokes. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Low-hanging fruit. Sure, I got gotcha. Old-school, old-school kind of, you know, well, make a funny quip and then kill people. So And then uh, Flying, Flying Wild Hog was the developer on this one. But published by Devolver. Um, and it, it, you know, I just love what Devolver does. I like a lot of the stuff they put out, uh, me personally. So I also realized that uh, when I did my research, because I did research on this game, motherfuckers. What's up? A new Carlos is born. And these guys. <laughs> we are at a major turning point in the podcast, right? I now. know, right? And uh, it took isolation to do it. But um, these guys made a game called Hard, Hard Reset. Have you heard of that?
0: hard reset is
1: that a vr game no it's a first person shooter cyber kind of like futuristic uh with mechs and stuff and they did a redux version how do you say that redo redux okay i've heard it both ways yeah um,
0: i think i've seen it but i thought that was a vr game are you sure it's not vr
1: it might also be a vr but when i did when i looked it up uh and i'm gonna buy it because it's i can get it now Uh, The Redux version was just like a first-person shooter in the same kind of over-the-top style as Shadow Warrior. Okay. Anyways, what this game is, you're Luang. You're, um, yeah, it's definitely Asian-influenced and and focused. Um, You are in this world where, you know, uh, demons have taken over, like the apocalypse had happened in the first game. And so these are one of those games where it is a little bit helpful if you were to play the first one, which I didn't. So you don't know kind of the story and some of the characters. But obviously it's just all about killing things and running around and making funny quips. So you would think that the quips would get old. They don't. Weirdly enough, him just running around saying funny things here and there, I still laughed at a bunch of them. Uh, one time he killed somebody and he goes, oh, look, you tr- look what you dropped, your dignity. And I was like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm laughing at you saying it's funny. I don't know that I'm
0: laughing at that clip. But oh, either way, you got to laugh. In the moment so. it happened.
1: But anyway, so basically you have a uh, girl that's inside your head. Uh, she's kind of like a lost soul that you're like bringing around all these missions. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. And you have to kill things with swords or guns. You get both. But I played the whole game while I'm still playing it uh, just with a sword. So just upgraded my melee. And you can do that. Like you could just play melee or just shooting or both. And every once in a while, I wanted to pull out a gun and just try because you get a lot of different weapons. And it is just balls-to-the-wall ridiculousness, but also feels like controlled. Like, you see the the enemies. There could be monsters. They could be just regular people. Like, you're, you're battling the, the Yakuza a lot. So there's, like, regular Yakuza dudes uh, and gals fighting you. But then there's also demons. So you're kind of fighting all types of different people. But when you do... You are running around. You have a dash that's unlimited, which I love unlimited dashes. And you really, even though it's madness and there's body parts flying everywhere, and you are just doing all your special moves, I still feel like I have a lot of control over my character, which I think is such a hard thing to pull off. Do you know what I mean? But like, like a lot of first-person shooters, you're in the chaos and you're just button mashing. Yeah. yeah. But in this one, you could see a demon, and he's like doing ninja moves. He'll like jump around me, do kick flips. And he, like, even though I'm, like, the most badass, he'll still, like, roundhouse me in and, and knock me back. And it feels like a real fight, even if it's, like, chaos. Um, it yeah, just that's feels tricky. Like... That, that
0: spatial awareness and your sense of body is something that I don't think a lot of first-person games capture, which is kind of why I don't play them a lot. I don't like um, feeling like I have, very, like, less awareness than I do in real life so yeah i mean if you can get that nailed that really is a big uh, feather in the cap of a game absolutely
1: yeah and, and also like the the blade that i have uh, um it really cuts things meaning like at, at the <laughs> point that it cuts it you'll see it like cut apart the, the the guy's body in half or the head off or even if the person's dead and on the ground if you go over and swing it like you'll still cut them up it's like crazy like how... are you saying
0: that you can use that sword to cut enemies up in any way that you want like it'll actually register almost
1: it's it, it seems it seems really accurate
0: <laughs> like what about what about the environments can you cut stuff in like no no, half? no no they kind of like, just the just enemies
1: the yeah they'll let you smash up a couple like physics objects here and there but it's nothing nuts you know but like okay. l- like a little like a hog monster came up to me like a little pig hog monster and i just swung at him and i took the whole top of his fucking <laughs> body off and i felt bad uh because it was gross But it was so interestingly accurate. Anyways. Did you
0: get like a plus one bacon to your inventory?
1: Oh, yeah. I threw it in my knapsack and fried it up later. (laughs) Cook it up later. (laughs) So the other thing I'll say that there's a lot of really interesting um, depth to the skills and upgrades. The skills you get are like these cards. And you can upgrade each card. So one card could be for a special move. Or it could be that you get more experience. Or whatever it is. More uh, health items when people die. And it's a really interesting balance of not just a hit everything and I'm all powerful but like actually how do you want to play the game and then there's a ton of upgrades that you can put on your person or you can put into your weapon and all that is like really fun like I kind of get nerdy over like managing upgrades in weapons what other games do that like you know where you like have little slots in your weapons I mean that's a lot of games There's there's a bunch of games that do that I dig that a lot so that's in there too um yeah i'll just say that this is one of my favorite games like i think wow period like it really it it hits all the things i want like it's a dishonored it's a dead island it's got dead island vibes it's got dying light vibes and so you
0: recently played rage 2 and that was like one of your favorite games of all time and now you're playing shadow Warrior 2 which is also one of your favorite games of all time. Are these, did you just get lucky and play two fucking amazing games back to back? I did. Or are you feeling very generous these
1: days? No, 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 no. Because uh, we'll talk about this at the end of the episode, what games made us, which is a, um, a teaser for that. If I think of the games that really, really, um, it's like a secondary list we could do. What are the games that you're into right now? Like what are the really you know, types of genres? I would say action RPG, and I'd say first person melee. And Rage 2 let me do that. With a sword, and the shooting was really fun too. But the sword was incredible, and this is another one. So huh. I, I'm telling everybody right now, and I will tweet till the cows come home. Um, People, check out this game because I want them to make another one. And they're you know a small developer, and I think that they deserve it because oh, and some of the graphics are ridiculous. Like it looked like I was playing Cyberpunk seven seven a couple times.
0: This game is a couple years old, if memory serves, at least two or three years old, if not older, right?
1: Yeah, it is. It's like 2018 or something, or maybe, yeah. But it doesn't even matter. It's so fun. And yeah, I just want to tell people about it because I I love it. All right, there we go. That
0: is a very, very strong recommendation from Carlos for Shadow Warrior 2 uh all right i check it out and i'm guessing it's probably real cheap these days since it's uh it's been around for a couple
1: years oh you so know many... what? i did all that research and had all those notes uh i don't know how much it is um, yeah that's fine you know whatever games
0: go on sale i'm sure it's on all the consoles i'm sure it's probably real cheap these days so check it out oh sounds like what one more thing uh the photo yes. mode
1: in this they have a photo mode uh it's like true free cam so you can like just go anywhere like through that's walls fun and stuff. those are really fun, those I are love fun. That. yeah those are good okay anyways that cool. game is
0: rad Shadow Warrior 2 is rad. It Uh, is. Definitive answer. Um, So last episode, I talked a little bit. I gave a brief shout out to the DLC for Control, which is called The Foundation. Um, I actually completed that and posted a full text review. I'm just going to talk about it just for a minute here. Um, so for people who like control, and I believe that both of us are people who like control, correct? Yep. Except that ending. Fuck that ending. But yes, except that ending. Um, so yeah, this is more control. Like I think my biggest takeaway, my biggest nutshell is that it's more control. Like it's, it's not going to win you over if you didn't like control. It's not going to do anything radically different than what you saw in the main campaign. But if you want more control, and I, I kind of did like I, by the time I wrapped credits, And did all of the side quests, I still kind of wanted to play it more, but there just wasn't anything else to do. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm done. Uh, But, you know, more control is welcome. So basically, this DLC is about maybe four to six hours long, give or take. Depends on how long you want to play, how much time you want to put in. If you do all of the quests, I think there's four quests altogether. Some of them are a little bit better than others. Uh, But it's about four to six hours, give or take. And the story, I'm not going to spoil anything, but basically people who played the main campaign of control might remember that one of the characters, her name was Helen Marshall. She was like the head of operations, kind of a tough gal security officer. Mm. Uh, She disappears like about halfway through the campaign. And your main character is often like, where's Helen? What happened to Helen? Where'd Helen go? This is where she went. She went to this DLC. So you will find out what happened to Helen Marshall. You will go to a brand new area of the oldest house, which is the level, that you know the world that you're in, in control. You go down to the basement, or actually more specifically, the foundation, which is why they call it that. Uh, it's not a foundation as in an organization; it is like the foundation of the house. So you go down there, you find out what's going down because something is wrong. Uh, you shoot a lot of dudes. There's a, a new enemy type. You get a couple new powers, which. One of them, I think, is really useful, where you're able to put a shield around yourself. And you could do that before, but the difference this time is that you can actually dash forward with the shield on, so it kind of becomes a battering ram.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: Pretty useful. I was pretty useful with that, and I I did not actually use the shield very much in the main campaign, but adding dash to it really helps a lot. The other powers you get, I think, are not going to be so useful once you get done with that DLC. You can make crystals grow, or you can destroy crystals. Doesn't sound too impressive, but... When you're down there in the basement area, there are lots of, like, structures that you can destroy that are made of crystals. Um, There's lots of platforming you do where you need to make crystals grow out of a wall or out of a ceiling or something. And, like, you make those grow, and then you can use them to grab onto or jump onto whatever, and you can keep going. So it's pretty cool to do it down there, but you can't just do it anywhere. There's, like, little hot spots in the environment, which is admittedly not as cool. It'd be really neat if you could do it on any surface. Uh, That would be pretty powerful. But instead, you have to kind of look for, like, little highlighted areas. And then when you see one, you're like, oh... I can use my new power for this. It's fine. It's fine when you're doing it. But just know as soon as the DLC is over, it's not going to be useful anywhere else in the game, Mm. which is kind of a bummer. Um, But it's okay. I finished it. I I enjoyed it. Had a good time. But it's not anything radically different. It's not anything that's, you know, a big left turn. It's just it's basically just more control. So if you wanted more control like I did, it's good because you will get exactly more control. If you were tired of it or you wanted something different or you're waiting for major story revelations or you want totally something new this is not that um i will say one little final note there did, there is a level in the main campaign i think you and i discussed it the, uh, the ashtray maze did we talk about that oh yeah course? i
1: love that fucking thing
0: the ashtray maze is definitely a high point of the campaign and control i'm not going to talk about it because if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about if you don't know what i'm talking about i don't want to spoil it for you but just know that it's called the ashtray maze very cool definitely a high point of the campaign um, the developers definitely were trying to bite off a little bit of that same energy and kind of recreate not the same thing but like they were they were definitely wanting like that same kind of vibe in this DLC and they tried to do it I do not think they were really successful mm. um, I can't get into too much detail but I will say that particular section is too long. It is too hard, and there are the checkpointing is crap. So I tried it a couple times. Not more of
1: that crap.
0: Yeah, the checkpointing is real bad. When you try to do that mission, I believe it's called Jesse Faden starring in Switch Platform. I in Swift Platform. I'm sorry, Swift Platform. Um, Yeah, it's it's one of those missions that you know they want you to be talking about it and to be excited by it but it doesn't quite work, which is kind of a bummer because I really thought it started out pretty cool, but it was just fucking irritating. Oh, Um, boy. Kind of a down note, but otherwise, good stuff. You want more control? The foundation is more control. It's good. It's uh, a new area, a couple new powers, more time with Jesse Faden. There you go. That's all there is to say about it. It's more control.
1: It doesn't sound like a glowing review, though. It really sounds like, um, yeah, I guess you could.
0: I mean, I mean, I, I guess I don't want to damn it with faint praise, but I guess I am because... If I didn't play this, I would have been fine. Yeah. But I, mean, I but I enjoyed what I played, so I liked it. But it's not like I didn't get a deeper understanding of the game. I didn't get any big revelations. It wasn't even really that different. But at the same time, like it's like it's like someone gives you a piece of cheesecake, right? And you're like, man, this is real good cheesecake. This is real good. I like this. And then they give you a second piece of cheesecake, and you're like, I don't have to eat this, but I like it, and it's going to taste good, and I want to eat it. But if I don't eat it, it's also fine. Like, you know, like you've already had the good experience. You don't, no one needs to
1: double up on cheesecake, right? So, but if they would have given you like a chocolate, a slice of chocolate cake or something, yeah, you'd be like, ooh, that's different. And I'm also still hungry and this is great.
0: I guess that kind of brings up a question because I was getting into a little bit of a discussion with Mike Susky about this, my review and about this content. And it's like, there's no real hard and fast rule for what DLC should be right It's like on a case-by-case basis every experience is different what people want from DLC is different and in this case it's like it's just kind of more of the same but I don't mean that to sound bad because I enjoyed it and I like it and I recommend it if you like control but if you just wanted something different then it is not that but how do you you know like like how do you judge a piece of DLC like I mean some people just want more of the same and that's fine some people want something totally different but is it fair to expect something totally different? I mean like how do you, you know, weigh the value of what a DLC is, I guess. It's a, it's a difficult right. question. I don't think there's one particular answer, but it's something that I, we were talking about, and I just, you know, I just, what could I do? It's more of the same, and I liked it, so if you like it, you'll like
1: it. Here's my thoughts on that. Um, if they, and they're not going to, unfortunately, I don't think, if they gave me any sort of new DLC for Rage 2, which I've played every single DLC already. You did. <laughs> yeah. Um, if they give me any more new ones, which they're not going to, I would immediately play it because I like the mechanics of that game.
0: Right, but I'm, right, but I'm right. not
1: looking for more story or like revelation or something new I just want more uh, hitting things with swords um, and that's it right now if it was a game I'm really into about this for the story uh, and which is kind of what I was in with control and it was more of that that's when I'd want it more but if it's not and it's just for the game mechanics then I don't think it needs to be anything fancy or it could just be more of the same. So for me, you just describing it that way makes me not want to play it just because I got frustrated with the controls. Ah, pun intended. There good you. job, Carlos. <laughs> Double entendre. Double, I know. I did because I did. And like you mentioned that shield thing, I was like, I don't even know if I should use this or not. I don't know if it's good or not. So there was just things, like I don't want to fuss with that, especially checkpoints and all that stuff. Like I don't want more of that. But yeah, if it was yeah. Rage 2 or Shadow Warrior 2, wow, there's a lot of 2s. I'd be like, yeah, give me more.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I kind of land like right in the middle um, with control because I really like the mechanics of it. I think it feels very good to play. I think it's very action-packed and exciting. So that part of it like lights up the action gamer part of my brain. I really like the way it feels and controls, um, handles. But <laughs> uh, I know that a lot of people really got into the story. I thought the story was fine. Like It did what it needed to do. But I wasn't a person who listened to every single audio file. I didn't read all of the, the, the notes that you find. I mean, I started off doing that, but it just got too much, and I really don't care for that type of story, uh, storytelling. And So I just in this particular DLC, you find a bunch of audio tapes, and I just didn't listen to them because I just don't like mm. doing that. I didn't read the files. So I just played it for the mechanics of it, and from that perspective, I thought it was fine. But I guess if you are a person who really read all the files and listened to all the tapes, and you really want to know more about that stuff, um, I mean, maybe it would be worth it even more for you guys. Cause they do talk about the origins of the oldest house and about the little energy cubes that you find. I yeah. didn't care. I just didn't care. Like it didn't Did, matter to me. So I wasn't really looking for that, but I would,
1: not to take it for one more step though, is that it's interesting because I loved Alan Wake and I loved the world and story. They told through cutscenes and through really interesting things like the television set doing real shows and like that stuff got me so hooked that when control came out, I was mostly excited for that. Like, oh, they're gonna tell this really interesting weird story of this building. And if you remember in the episode we talked about it, I was kind of taken aback how quickly that game just started and just like threw you into it. Yeah. Like, no, no, you're just this girl and you control this thing and now you're this person, you have powers. And Alan Wake was like a discovery of like this what is this thing? What's happening? And so you, so you're right in the delivery method I think of the mystery in this game isn't good. Yeah. And I don't want to do that either. But the double side of that is I do want mystery. So Yeah, I, I mean, think I yeah.
0: If you're a certain kind of player because I do know people who ate this stuff up, but for me I was definitely more on the side of like I would like a few more cutscenes. I would like characters to do something and then let me learn through the action of doing it rather than reading like these 42 gazillion files or listening to these audio tapes i'm just not that guy I'm just not that player so yeah it's kind of disappointing i agree with you there i think the storytelling is not the greatest in control but i had a lot of fun playing it because it felt real good to play so anyway let's move on. on that's the dlc the foundation if you like control go for it if you don't like control then don't carlos uh you said you had one more game to talk about before we hit our final discussion topic
1: yeah, just real quick. Um, I was excited about it. Uh, Brave the Default Two demo came out on Switch. Oh, that's right. And I had had so many friends play the first one, and I didn't have uh, a device. Or th- was it 3DS? I think at the time, so I missed it, and I was really interested in trying it. So I thought I'd just pick it up, play it. Uh, this will be a a similar to uh, you've heard in previous episodes. Brad like talks about a Switch game, says garbage and then that's it, and it's over. It might be similar because I couldn't play this demo because of one big thing that you and I always talk about. Guess what, what it is.
0: It, I don't know. I mean, I was going to say, like, really poor controls, but I don't know if that's
1: oh, it. what Oh, no? no, it's a small text thing. Oh, and, shit, really? And but watch this. Not only is the text weirdly small, again, unless you have a switch in your play on your television, which don't plan on that, right? But the actual map, after they show the cutscenes, you're talking to the characters, I'm kind of interested. Uh, The actual screen, like your overworld map, the thing that you're looking at, not the overworld map, like the town map, when you run around a town in an RPG, that map, your character's so fucking small that I can't even see where he's going if this thing that I'm trying to talk to is an NPC or like a basket. I can't make it out, dude. I was like, bro, really? Like, I can't see where I'm going. He's like a miniature like character. And if the whole game's like that, no thank you. So I literally wow. turned it off and I don't do that. I didn't even get combat because I was like, if this comes out this way, I'm never gonna play it. Like, I don't even care about the combat. You can't see the character. It's funny you say that, dude,
0: because I've noticed that becoming more and more of a problem. And I don't know if it's because people are not taking the handheld mode of the Switch into account when they're developing or something. But there's been more than a couple games lately where, like, the graphics are so small on the Switch. And the Switch has a nice, big, roomy screen. There's plenty of games that look great on that screen. Oh, yeah, because
1: that can't even be the reason because i played tons of RPGs on it.
0: Exactly, yeah. There's tons that fit real fine, but, like, it's it's like a thing you got to do. You can't just, like, here, put this game on the Switch and you're done. Like, you got to make sure it looks good and it fits really well. And I think it's weird. I'm just noticing more and more. But, you know, the thing is is now that the Switch light is becoming a thing, people don't really have the option to, I don't. to go to your TV. So they got to make sure it looks good on the handheld mode. And yeah, people are kind of falling down on that.
1: Here's the thing to even like uh, double down on it. Even if it's on your TV, which I can't do because I have the Switch light, it's got to be so fucked up because here's what it is. Let me try to explain it. It's a lot of real estate. Like they're showing you a lot of the town and your character's just small. So it doesn't even matter if it's on your TV. It's like a poor decision. Uh, See what I'm saying? You're like running around, and you're about the size of, let's say, um, like if the whole screen is uh, 100%, maybe you're like 5% or like something teeny running around this big map. And and then you can like zoom out to see the full map. And I was like, fuck that. So (laughs) I literally stopped it, and I will never pick it up, because if that's the way it is, I can't play it. Wow. That is surprising
0: and disappointing. Although becoming more of a problem. Who who would have ever predicted that visibility and readability would have been one of the biggest problems facing the modern generation today? Who in the world would have I ever know. thought that would be a problem?
1: Good lord. It's like the
0: biggest problem facing gamers today. Honestly, this is so fucking weird. Anyway. Anyways, that's my like yeah.
1: uh, kind of like one of your reviews where you, you don't even finish the game really because you're like so mad at it. I, just I mean,
0: can't. some games are that bad and you got to call them like you see them. If it's that bad. Why fluff it up? Just tell it like it is. I'm telling it like it is. All right. I got one more game to mention that we're going to get into our topic, our long awaited topic. But before that, I want to talk about a game that is wonderful. Ooh. A very cool game that I'm very excited about that I'm enjoying very much. And I want to spread the word and I want everybody listening to this podcast to at least check it out and see if it's their thing. So we, talk about, we talked about Coffee Talk a while ago. Yep. Um, and I like visual novels when they are not the, like, lowest common denominator denominator visual novel. I like it when people put a lot of effort into their visual novels. And, and I, I don't mean to sound elitist or anything. Like, you know, like, I, I'm not a snob, right? Like, I'm not a graphics whore. Like, I don't need all the bells and whistles. But, like, a, a visual novel is, like, the writing has to be real good. You got to put a lot of effort into the writing. Don't give me typos. Don't give me real cliche stuff. The graphics have to be at least really well designed and good looking. Like, it can't just be typical bland anime chick and you just look at that and there's nothing going on in the background like it's boring right like you gotta like jazz it up a little bit because this genre is pretty static it's mostly about reading you make a couple choices like you gotta like jazz it up somehow Brad likes his graphics I mean I do video games video (laughs) it's right there in the name it's
1: in the title you said that literally in the fucking title it's in the title please
0: do not forget the video with your game so when a, vi- when a visual novel comes through and really takes the time to do this, I love it. I love the genre when they do it right. And this one does it right. It is Vampire the Masquerade, Coteries of New York. I Mouthful saw of the it. Title. It is lovely.
1: It is wonderful. It's, I am. It, it, j- let me uh, just say real quick. It's so weird because yeah. I looked at that and I remember you like visual novels. And I was like, I should do a visual novel for the podcast because Brad keeps talking about them and I need to play more of them. And that's the one I was looking at. Ah,
0: it is so good. It is so good so far. I have not finished it. I'm only maybe like a, I don't know. I'm estimating maybe a third of the way through it, but I really wanted to talk about it. So um, this is Vampire the Masquerade based on White Wolf's um, tabletop RPG. Also, uh, it got real popular with Jihad, the card game. Did you ever play Jihad when that came Mm -mm. out in the 90s?
1: No, I didn't.
0: That was huge for a while. Um, So anyway, it's based off, it's a licensed property. Uh, If you know the Vampire RPG, you'll know all about this. But basically you start off, This visual novel, as a person who gets converted into a vampire, and then you get uh, assimilated into vampire society. I'm not going to get into all the details because it's a pretty detailed thing. There's all different types of vampires. There's like a hidden vampire society. There's all sorts of rules and stuff. But basically, what makes this game great is number one, the writing. I think is real sharp. It's very current. It's very modern. Like they talk about things that are happening today. They talk about like cell phones. They talk about people playing Fortnite. They talk about Mm. sex. They talk about drugs. And it's like, it's very modern. It's very mature. It's very current, which I really like a lot. Uh, It's also well done. Uh, All the characters have a really good flavor to them and they're all very different. And also there's lots of choices. I love a visual novel that has a lot of choice. And this has plenty of choices because once you get past the basic tutorial part, They give you like maybe four or six different vampires that you can go hang out with and build relationships with. And not just romantic. I mean, sometimes you're just friends. Sometimes you're enemies. Sometimes they just have something interesting to say. So it's not like it's not a dating sim. Like you just talk to these vampires and they're all different flavors. Like one is kind of like partially quote unquote insane, although that's TBD. There's one that's kind of like an upper class kind of executive type. There's one who's like um, like a real wild child sort of person. There's one who's like really deformed and like is wanting to be a detective. And there's all sorts of like really interesting characters to talk to. You decide who you hang out with. I think you can usually do either one or two characters a night. You got to go back to your house when the sun goes up. And that's how like little chapters are broken up. Hmm. And it's really cool. Like the writing is great. The choices are great. It makes you think a little bit. And like after you make some choices um, at the end of the discussion, your character will kind of not necessarily grade you, but they'll be like, oh, you know, you made a couple really good calls back there. I really approve of that. Or they'd be like, oh man, you fucked up. What are you doing? I don't want to hang out with you no more. And so they kind of like give you like that interpersonal feedback, which I think is really useful. And the graphics are great, wonderful, painterly art style. And the backgrounds are really dynamic. Like you'll be looking at a cityscape and instead of being a static picture, it'll be like mostly static, but there'll be like a plume of smoke coming from a little sewer pipe thing. Or there'll be like a car that just drives by in the background or a person walking by in a silhouette. It's not a huge amount of graphics, but it's just enough to make it feel really like kind of alive and mm. not distracting, but vibrant. Like it's really good. It's exactly the right amount of visual in a visual novel. I think they really got the graphics and sophistication perfectly spot on. So I love this game so far. I am like eating it up. It's my bedtime game. So I go to bed like a little bit early because I'm like, Ooh, I want to play some more vampires. see what's going on. And take my choices talk to my fellow vampires and it's just it's really really fascinating i love this game so far
1: do you think it's going to have multiple endings or oh
0: definitely definitely you have i think three different characters to choose from for yourself and then on top of that so far i've seen at least six or eight different characters that you can be buddies with and you do not have enough time to be friends with all of them like you've got to make choices so i'm spending a lot of time budding up to the guy who wants to be a detective and i'm spending time with the person who is kind of like the uh, the insane flavor of vampire uh, most of my time with those two but that means there's like four or six other people that i've barely spent any time with so right. i imagine if you go back and replay you've got lots of stuff to go through so
1: cool that will be fun if i do it and then uh we can compare endings i wouldn't be surprised if you had a totally different experience you
0: pick a different character talk to different people Probably two totally separate experiences.
1: That's my favorite part about, um, you know, the interactive fiction kind of uh, landscape and the way I'm so excited about working on my game is because, yeah, you can just build these different experiences for each person who plays it. So pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I dig it, man. It's a perfect fit for the Switch too. So I'm not done with it. I'll probably talk about it again once I finish it, but like super thumbs up so far. I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping this game doesn't take a weird left turn because I really love it and I think it's great. And if it stays as good as this, all the way through it'll totally be like in my top 10 this year so wow. fingers crossed it doesn't get weird but so far really really digging it so this was oh. what's what? yeah go ahead
1: and give the name again
0: vampire the masquerade coterie's of new york it's on switch i believe it's on the consoles as well i think it's on i think it's on everything right now but i yeah. think it's
1: wonderful on switch i think it's on ps4 is where i saw it and that's what's weird because i was like oh a visual novel on ps4 And I might play it on there right now because I'm so mad at my Switch for being small. No offense, Switch. You didn't do anything. It's just the dumb developers. But uh, with text, I'm just like excited to maybe. Well, you're playing it. The text is fine, right? Totally fine. Super readable. You can adjust the text sizes.
0: Also, you can go back to um, review text if you missed it. It's just right there. You push a button. You can go back and review everything they said. There's like a little in-game dictionary. It's super readable. It's very no problem at all. Runs just fine. Looks just fine. Right. Perfect switch game.
1: I'm going to pick it up either way on one of those systems and we'll talk about it again. Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So those are our games for this episode. Now <clears throat> I have to give a brief apology to Superfan and the mailman with Cavs of steel, Joshua Jackson. He is a super fan listener. He sent us in this question like a while ago. Um, to be fair, I think he sent it in before the coronavirus outbreak. And I think we got kind of derailed by that. But um, I didn't forget. I wrote it down. We had it on the back burner and I figured this was the week we should talk about it. So Joshua Jackson, thank you for being uh, a super fan listener. Thank you for being uh, our mainland with Cavs of Steel. Thanks for sending this question and apologies that it took us so long to get to answering this. But I I feel like I got some real good answers and I'm hoping you got some good answers too, Carlos. The question being the question being uh, what five games defined you as a gamer? What games made you? So this is an interesting one. I wanted to think about it. I got some good, some good, uh, some good topic to discuss. We're going to start with you, though, tonight, sir. Uh, I think the best way to do this is maybe just go through, maybe name a game, tell us what effect it had or why you chose it, and just kind of go down your list of five. I'll do the other five, and then we'll wrap it up.
1: I have an, a, an asterisk, and then I have a runner-up.
0: So you got, like, five plus two equals seven?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. No problem. Let's do it. Start Here's my asterisk. My asterisk, asterisk before oh, asterisk number first. one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My asterisk is way before anything, I played ColecoVision, which our younger viewers or listeners have no idea what that is, maybe. But it was one of the uh, home consoles that actually showed that you could play like arcade style graphics at home because the processor at the time was actually really, really good. And you could. Donkey Kong looked like Donkey Kong really close. And so that was actually a, not a game but a system that kind of showed me that i was really gonna get into like playing video games at home so that's an asterisk okay
0: sounds good and you had you had what was the other pl- asterisk or other other thing runner oh the up. other one's
1: just a, a, another runner up so i'll put that at the end okay cool number one all right number one
0: number one first game that made defined influenced shaped carlos rodella
1: uh this, the ultima series
0: okay on cool. pc
1: yeah, it was a uh, Commodore 64 as well. Commodore 64 and PC, it actually made me start making video games. So I was so blown away that, you know, um, a, t- a small team of people could make something so huge, like a world. And Ultima was, yeah, one of my first role playing games ever. Uh, way before, you know, Legend of Zelda and all the other games that we'll talk about, it was this game that had an open world. And, hey, what do I talk about all the time on the podcast? Open world. Open world. So this made me feel like anything was possible. Even though the graphics were simple, you kind of filled in the gaps, you know? Like a lot of things back then when you were younger, you saw something, but then you made it bigger than it actually was. And this series showed me that you could level up, and I was excited about that idea, and swords, early, early swords, right? Fighting monsters, and worlds. And, like, literally – I think it's the first or second one, you can like go to the moon. Like you can literally like leave the planet. So yeah, to show the show the openness and expansiveness and role playing games, Ultima.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Oh my gosh. I know I know Ultima. it's a
1: heavy duty answer. I know. Well I mean that I is mean, a that is a good answer. And that you... seems
0: to have really had a lot of uh influence on you. Also influence on me. I'm like choking up over here, but I
1: know you were a little of a <laughs> I love that word. Thank you for bringing uh, that up. We
0: that's the first time we've said it on this, uh, on yeah. this podcast. I, I think it's
1: the first time you've been verklempt. Oh, there we go. <laughs> all right, Carlos. Number two. Oh, I'm just doing all of them? Okay, we're not yeah, going to Yeah, go on. for it. Go for it. Number two is Super Mario Brothers, and I'm t- being, I'm taking a lot of uh, leniency here. One and two, because one was, what? Platforming? That's a thing? Yeah, you could run around left to right and kill enemies? What? I didn't even understand what that was. In like... In a real way. And that just blew me away because of the bricks and all these secrets. And again, for the first time ever, I'm thinking there's a million secrets in this game. There wasn't, but it felt like there might be. (laughs) It felt like there was, for sure. Yeah, like it felt like any brick could have anything in it. You got to break all the
0: bricks. You got to find out.
1: You got to find out. And also that was when I learned about Minus One World, which is where you can get your head stuck in a brick, go through the wall, and go to Minus One World. And that's like a super crazy secret. And I was like, what are video games? <laughs> you can. <laughs> what's going on with these? They're, they're weird. And this is from Japan. I don't understand it. Uh, and why am I a plumber? And why are there turtles? It was just weird as fuck. And then Super Mario Bros. 2 added to that because it was a, literally another world you could go to. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. yeah like that sure. little alternate world. Yep. And both of those games really kind of like made me excited about weird shit and games and get into platforming excellent okay good good number th- number three number three I put as bonk's adventure ooh bonk's adventure one of my favorite systems as everybody knows is tuber graphics bonk I want to say maybe got me into like yeah like action melee because <laughs> there's no weapons it's just his head he just runs around and hits things with his head and if you think about it that's melee
0: very basic melee the Absolutely. very basic melee just Absolutely. running and
1: hitting things And I love that mechanic of just running through the world with nothing, but just like hitting things. And it was endlessly fun. That game is still fucking fun. Find it on any platform. It is is great. It is great. It's a great fucking game. And you would turn into, you know, kind of a monster in a way. Like you get kind of crazy and your own superpower would be like you're a little bit stronger. But yeah, it was another game that really got me into the idea of weird games, but also like a new mechanic. Like, just running around and hit things with your head. New mechanics. Just like real life. Just real life. I do it all the time still, and I have a (laughs) headache. That's why I have headaches. Um, Number four? Number four. Earthbound, baby. Uh, I I was waiting for this to come up. I was waiting. That is, uh, again, RPG. It's comedy, right? It added comedy and quirkiness that made you go, ooh, this is fun and interesting and weird, and not just, like, save the princess, and it also took day it took p- place in present day. Remember how I love that? Yep, modern setting. Sure. I love modern setting now still. And it was just weird as fuck and good music. So, yeah, it influenced a lot of my kind of like want for modern day RPG and weird quirkiness. All right, and number five. Number five, and I have a runner-up, but number five is definitely uh, Fallout 1. Original PC Fallout. Original PC Fallout because it was two things. It was one, my falling in love with post-apocalyptic, right? That was probably one of the first ones I played that I was like, oh, it's the end of the world and we've got to be scrappy and a scavenger and figure it out. And also one of the first games where you could kind of almost do anything, right? Like you could close down quest lines because you killed somebody. And I uh, I never played Fallout all the way
0: through. I, I started it, but... The version I had did not have controller support and I really just cannot get on with mouse and keyboard controls. I keep waiting for somebody to port it
1: to the Switch or something. I feel like
0: I feel like there'd be a market for it, but nobody's yeah, ported it
1: yet. That's really small though. They might have to yeah. I think it's really hard to do. You know what you can do now? Now they just um, some of the original developers did Wasteland. And so yeah. the new Wasteland's coming out this year. Uh, Wasteland three, I believe. And so that has a lot of the same vibe. But <laughs> My point is I liked it because it was – I had never seen a game where – The possibility, the, the freedom, the, the choices. Right? Yeah. yeah. I will revisit this uh, story and tell it real quick on the podcast just because it's it's living around there somewhere in the podcast world. But I've told you before. But that's the game where I went <laughs> and into a building, and I was rummaging through their stuff, just some house. And the was it? The wife came home. And or a woman came in and, uh, you know, and she attacked me because I was taking stuff out of their room, you know, rightfully so, rightfully so. I thought it was a video game. So there's my only line of defense. (laughs) And and so then I oh wait, are
0: we talking about a game? I'm sorry. I I thought it was like, yes, yes. And so then
1: I uh, I had to kill her because I didn't want the guards to be alerted. Calm down. And then the (laughs) son came home. And then the son came home and attacked me, and you know what happened to him. And then the family he joined dog... A party? He did not join me. He joined <laughs> my party. If I joined my party, you mean lying on the ground dead? Then yes. <laughs> he joined my dead party. And then also the family dog came home and also was aggro and started attacking me, and I had to put him down.
0: God, the family dog came home. Did he have a dog job? Is that, Did he come <laughs> home from, from working for like... It's he like, was working comes home at different times. He man. just
1: wanted his snacks, and he did not get those snacks. <laughs> um, but that was the kind of game where like, oh, there's consequences. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was so absolutely. Cool. It just opened my mind. And that's why, you know, I'm still chasing that to this day. I'm chasing those kind of stories in games to this day. Uh, am I runner up? Runner up. Skyrim. Skyrim, why? Because I know it's later on, and it's not as formative, because what? I don't forget when that came out, but it still was a while ago. Uh, that game also kind of showed me that what Fallout led is this kind of like, hey, anything's possible in a game, and these dynamic systems can be a play, and you don't know what's going to happen. Like you could like fall through
0: the world, you could like clip through a tree. No, not the Giant glitch. Giant could punch you fourteen miles no, into the no, sky. Anything, well, literally
1: anything, could happen. Maybe that, but now I'm not talking about the glitching. Like okay, I'll retell this story then. <laughs> You forced my hand on this one because you said. He's got a million of them,
0: folks. He's got a million of them. You
1: forced my hand, and then then we'll go to move to you. All right. There was one time in that game in Skyrim, and this is, again, an impression on me because now I I, am still chasing these kind of experiences. There was a, a couple, and they owned the stables, the horse stables, and I was supposed to go and do some sort of errand for them. I came around the corner, and wolves had been aggroed by their horse or something, and they started attacking the owners. And I couldn't get there in time, and the wolves killed the owners. And they were not supposed to do that. And so I went up to the, the owners, and they were dead. And, you know, I picked up their keys to their stables, and I owned the free stables. horses. There you go. Yeah. But that happened <laughs> because of... real estate transaction. emergent yeah. gameplay. And so that's a thing that's really, really been formative for me. I really want that as well.
0: Excellent. Those are all really good answers. And I, I agree with, like, a lot of those. I really love emergent gameplay. I love getting the choices. I love a lot of that stuff. So I think we're we're kind of in sync in a lot of those. But I have different games and different answers. Let's um, go. Alright, so the first one... I just have five. I don't have any asterisks or runner-up. Or Sorry. Um, the first one, I think, is probably Marvel Puzzle Quest.
1: Ooh, uh, the one of your favorite games of all time.
0: One of my favorite video games of all time. Still play it. It is the game that I've spent the most time playing out of all games in the world in history. Uh, what I... What I took from marvel puzzle quest is patience patience um because it is a very slow game it is a game designed to keep players coming back for you know year over year um you have lots of characters lots of things to level up lots of you know uh things to improve and so you can't just do it like you can't i mean even if you're rich you know if you have like a million dollars to pump into it that'll get you ahead of the game but it still is not going to get you everything you need like you still have to just take your time wait for the card you need to come up. Sometimes it comes up randomly, sometimes it's in rotation. Like you have to just hang in there and just do a little bit at a time and you you're going to get real frustrated if you want to like become the best right away, like you want to max out your guys immediately. It's impossible. You can't do it. You want to collect all the characters right away. You can't. There's just no way. There's no way. So you got to just like be patient and that was really something that took me a long time to learn was to be patient and not be mad about it. Like and I've been playing the game i mean at least at least five years now if not longer basically every day for five years and i i definitely have noticed an increased sense of patience my ability to wait for things my ability to you know just know that it's going to come back around i'll get my chance in a while it's got to bide my time uh definitely learned a lot of patience from marvel puzzle quest and i think that actually applies in real life too as well for sure right um next game Resident Evil 3 the not the one that's coming up just now, but the one that was originally from 1999 and how this game affected me Was because it taught me that video games are important to me and that I could not be happy in a relationship Where my partner did not think games were valuable or or respectable.
1: Whoa, this is like a real serious one here This is real. No, these are real dude. These are real so
0: like at the time I was married to not the woman that I married today and we had i mean not shit talking to anybody she's a wonderful lady um wish her all the best uh you know wonderful wonderful person um but this was one of the areas where we were maybe not the best fit and i really clearly recall being at home playing resident evil 3 and she came home and she just i don't even remember what it was it's just like she like made some crack about you know like oh you're a nerd for playing that game or something like that and like it wasn't like hurtful or anything but I think that she was like upset that I was playing this game rather than doing something else like maybe I wanted to play that instead of you know whatever we were supposed to do that night um and I just I just remember thinking like oh you know like that kind of hurt my feelings and if that's how you view games that's going to be a problem because games are like really really important to me they've been important to me my whole life I spend a lot of time on them it's like a you know I write I edit I they, they take up a huge part of my my existence and if you don't think that they're and I don't even like she had to like him, but like you just have to tolerate him. Right. Like, and if it was going to be a, a subject that was going to be open to like ridicule or joking, then that meant that this relationship was not going to maybe be the best one. Yeah. Um, we eventually divorced, uh, not just because of the video game thing, although that was a factor, but there were other issues as well. But that was the moment when I'm like, you know, actually, I do need to be with someone who thinks video games are cool because that's really like a core part of who I am. And I don't think I could be happy any other way. So yeah, that it showed
1: you that it's a huge part of your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That really just in that moment it really, really focused it pretty pretty crystalline clearly. Um another game, cloning Clyde on Xbox Live Arcade. Have you ever played this or heard of it?
1: No, I'm like
0: puzzled. It's one of the very earliest XBLA games. I don't know that you can even play it anymore. I don't know that it's available anymore. Um, it may have just disappeared down the rabbit hole of um, games just going away but it was a very very basic very early platformer where your character could morph into different forms and every level was like a 2d maze sort of a thing um the reason that this stuck out to me was because this was one of the very earliest games that my kids played and my both of my sons uh played this game because it's very straightforward it's easy to understand the controls are pretty easy to get a grip on But there's also like a little bit of um, leniency, like you can die. Nothing really bad happens. There's lots of stuff to experiment with. And it's kind of funny. The guy does like little burps and farts or something. And he kind of just does like little, you know, cartoony stuff. And it really showed me like at that time, I was really looking for games that my kids could play. And it's really difficult. Like if you have small children, it's really, really hard to find a good quality games that are not full of ads, that are not trash, that are not super boring, that don't talk down to them. And that was one of the ones that they could really get into where I felt like it was offering a good quality of gameplay that was also approachable. And it helped me as a parent, like really look at game literacy, game accessibility, like what qualities I look for myself. And then uh, in in opposition, what qualities I look for in games for my kids. And that was really the first time when I found a game that really fit the bill. And it it was something that we came back to time and time again.
1: Cool. Yeah, I saw you the possibilities of games. Absolutely. Um. Similarly,
0: similarly, Xbox Live Arcade was actually a really, really formative time for me because I remember playing uh, Geometry Wars, which everybody played at that time, and also a really small indie game ported from the PC called Wick and the Fable of Souls. You play like this little kind of half elf, half frog dude that swung around the screen with his tongue and ate bugs. Really challenging level by level gameplay. Um, e- both of these things were things that I probably never would have encountered if it wasn't for a smaller focus on xbox live arcade and so that existing on 360 really opened my eyes to indie games and being more open to smaller bite-sized experience indie experiences experimental experiences i loved xbla i, I played basically yes, every game that I. came to it yeah it was so good so many interesting games not all the games were good but i think there was so much variety so much potential so much stuff that you wouldn't really get anywhere else especially for a person like me who did not play pc um, i know that those things existed on pc i'm not saying that xbox live you know invented that but for me who was like a dedicated hardcore console gamer who never looked at pc this was like basically my first taste into into that that field you know my first dipping of the toe into that pool and it really opened my eyes to like having other types of experiences that were not triple a that were not your usual genres that you get on a console so i really felt like that opened the door To me, like for basically for the rest of my life now, because I do love indie games and I do love experimental games and and weird art house games and stuff like that. And I think that really started with XBLA. So I'm really grateful to it for that
1: experience. Dude, can I pile on that for a minute? Um, Yeah, you just reminded me that that definitely happened to me, too. I had played indie games on my I mean, Commodore 64, you know, and PC and all that stuff back in the day. But I kind of slept on them for a while. You know, to be to be truthful, when consoles came out, you're just like, well, if it's not on a console, I'm you know that's when I'll really be playing. At least me personally, I know a lot of people stay with the PC the whole time, but and yeah, XBLA really helped me because Braid, like Braid, was just like that was a big breakthrough. Yeah, I I don't care how what people's thoughts are on him, um, uh, Jonathan, but the game itself was like, what time mechanics weird, and it was just shown to a lot of people because that discoverability on those consoles showed tons of people who weren't not used to independent games, um, these really different experiences. So I 1000% agree with you on that.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. That was a great time. That was a really, really formative time for me. Um, the other thing, <clears throat> the last one, number five, uh, probably like, like, uh, Xeno gears, I want to say, uh, because that was the first time when I really kind of gave myself permission to, not finish a game because i felt like it was bad and i felt like i just wasn't enjoying it and it was something that people really liked at the time even today there's a lot of fans for that game but i think it's a really poorly made game <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that's just terrible
1: about it and leave it to that, brad to go through this special list and throw right. some garbage and trash fire moments. number five but okay. like it's
0: it's a it's a bad and a good because after i gave myself permission to be like you know i don't need to love this i don't need to finish this I can just say to myself and to everyone else, I just don't enjoy playing this mm. and I don't want to spend any more time on it. It just freed me up to go play things that I actually did enjoy. It, 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 it reduced my suffering because, you know, grinding through stuff that I didn't want to grind through, watching story that I thought was stupid, like getting through dialogue that was really badly written. Like, you know, I had been of that mindset of like, must finish every game I play, must keep up with everybody else, must play what everybody's playing, must play the hot game. And this was one of the first times when I'm like, I really don't enjoy this experience like at all. And I think I'm just not gonna continue and I think that's gonna be okay. And I'm just gonna tell people and if they don't like it, then that's okay because we're not the same person and I'm gonna spend my time on something that I think is really more enjoyable or more interesting or more worthwhile. And this was the first time that I really probably gave myself permission to just think that way and not like follow the herd, you know, at that time.
1: Wow, that's crazy how your list really like helped define you as not even just a gamer or someone who likes games and why they like games, but like how you cover them and how you play them uh, and with your family. So really cool list. And also I would say that um, that kind of dovetails into the beginning of the episode where I was saying, I didn't want to finish secret of mana.
0: <laughs> exactly. Be-
1: Cause I'm doing what you learned from Xeno gears.
0: So I guess thanks Xeno gears in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for being such a terrible game. It really improved my quality of life. So thank you, Xeno. Thanks Xeno gears. <laughs> All right, Joshua Jackson, I hope that we answered your question to your satisfaction. Um, really appreciate you sending that in. It really made me think. I really liked hearing your answers
1: as well, Carlos. Yeah, it was fun. Um, two different lists. Cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, this is the end of the show, unless you got any uh, last little bits at the end here?
1: Mini Ion Gamesfield. Uh, there's a game because I'm really on this first person kick uh, called Bright Memory. I want to give a shout out to because I think one person made it. It's an early access and it looks incredible for like a one to two man team. Um, and it's called Bright Memory. It's on Steam right now as early access. It's like $5, I think, which even makes me more kind of confused. Um, but it looks incredible. So I'm going to start it later uh, this week. Bright Memory, check it out. It just looks like first-person sci-fi shooter-type game, but really interesting. And, again, one or two people, I think, put the whole thing together. So Excellent. Check that Excellent. out all right
0: sounds good sounds good thank you for bringing that to our attention check it out um and that will bring us to the end of the show thank you all very much for listening i guess this ended up being kind of a
1: mid-sode uh this is a full i think i'm looking at the clock we're at we're over the hour i think this is like
0: an hour and a half yeah we're a real real
1: episode it could be a real
0: episode it could be a big boy episode we'll see but uh thank you all folks uh for listening thanks for joining us every week um it's been fun it's been real we'll be back again next week and we'll do it you can tell that i'm free balling right now because i don't have my script in front of me but so you're not freeballing
1: you have pants on you said oh that's
0: right i do have pants on thank you yes
1: okay yeah
0: i am what i am stream of consciousness talking and i should probably just stop uh before i get off of this recording though please reach out to us with your thoughts comments uh anything you'd like to so video games podcast at gmail.com post for us at gamecritics.com once the show goes up uh, we're on Twitter collectively at So Video Games, but you can hit us individually. Carlos, where should people reach you this week?
1: Um I don't know. <laughs> Your house. <laughs> Call me no, no, you can't no, no. <laughs> distancing. You can't come over here. Don't go to Carlos's. No house. one come to my house. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you could just uh, you know hit me up at So Video Games because I actually am on that Twitter account quite a bit now, making clips of this show. You'll probably hear a clip of this show on that uh, Twitter, so go there at So Video Games. Say hi there. Excellent,
0: excellent. Say hi to Carlos there. Uh, You can catch me as always on Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B R A D G A L L A W A Y. All A's, no O's. And that is it for us. Thank you again for joining us, and we will be back probably sooner rather than later. Uh,
1: But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And don't play uh, Brave Default Two, bravely default two, because it's too small for Carlos. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i can't even remember like, the name of it i thought gonna say
0: brad default
1: too, i thought it was a bradley boy, default i am on default mode. i mean do
0: i have a special mode also because i like to activate that
1: your default mode is freeball i guess I, that's, that's what i much. that's what i'm learning <laughs> the default mode my mama gave me All oh right, we're, out.
0: we're out folks